Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is February 15th, 2021, and uh, I'm happy to be here with you. Um, uh, we are the pastors here at Rose of uh, Sharon Baptist Church, and Monday Main Point is where we get together on Monday to discuss the Sunday message. Uh, not so much to criticize it, but just to dig down a little bit deeper. And it's always a lot of fun. Always glad to have you here to join with us. Um, today's a special day um, because Blake's not with us. I, I'm kidding. It's not a special day because Blake's not with us. But it is a special day for us because we do have a special guest speaker with us, uh, a special guest on our panel today. And that is our, um, uh, it's not director of missions anymore. It is uh, missions strategist. strategist. I, I want to make sure I get that right. The mission strategist here for our Yates Baptist Association, um, Marty Childers. I almost said Dr. Marty Childers because that would have sounded really cool, right? But it's Marty Childers. <laughs> and uh, well, we're glad to have him with us uh, on this, uh, on this uh, panel. Um, guys, this is going to be an interesting discussion today. And I, I've been looking forward to this. It is Black History Month. We were just discussing that. And y yesterday in the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, the SBC, had recognized yesterday as Racial Reconciliation uh, Sunday. And, you know, we've just gone through a pretty contentious year when it comes to race relations. And I think it's really important that, uh, that we not put our head in the sand and pretend that those issues don't exist, but that we just put them on the table and talk about them. And that isn't just something that happens outside of the four walls of the church. Rather, I think it's something that very much happens inside the four walls of the church. And so Jeff, uh, yesterday, <clears throat> decided to, uh, bring to um, bring to the pulpit a message that really started back last June at the height of all the, the uh, Black Lives Matter protests and such, when a fellow pastor came to him with a question that honestly when Jeff brought it up to me I wasn't even aware it was there and I I never considered it either um, but it concerned a word that shows up in Acts 13 1 um, if you go to the book of Acts and it's uh, Acts chapter 13 verse 1 and um, it, it says there among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, and depending on the translation, um, it's uh, some some translations have it Simeon um, called Niger or Niger. Um, some actually say called the black man. Um, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I got a frog in my throat this morning. And when we, uh, this pastor really, Jeff, wanted to know about that word niger because it is so close to uh, the derogatory word we, we know to avoid and not use in, in our culture today. And we, we can talk about that. But wow, you know, that, that, that word seems to be there. It looks like it's there, and then in some translations, it literally translates it a black man. If the Bible is really using it in a derogatory sense, there, wow, you know that would be that would be crushing. 
But I think what you all found out in that discussion said otherwise. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about to begin here. So uh, can you give us a little bit back, a little bit more background? Yeah, uh, uh, Ricardo, uh, Hispanic pastor here in our association that, that uh, I've gotten to know known real well through uh, Kingdom Celebration. We've had a lot of discussions in Kingdom Celebration, um, a lot of topics that we did as Kingdom Celebration, like we did white flight, uh, we did immigration. We did several topics, which are cutting-edge topics. We were going to do one about a divided uh, nation, but we never got a chance to actually get that one done because of the pandemic. So uh, so we've had a lot of honest discussions. And so he contacted me first because he was kind of brokenhearted and devastated because he's thinking, you know, um, is the Bible using a word in a derogatory way sure. to describe black people? Yeah. I think his translation in Negro, which mm-hmm. is a um, Spanish translation. And so I'm like, well, no, I don't think that's what's happening there. Uh, but that would be interesting to, to, to do a study on and find out mm-hmm. and to, to look more into it because I've, I've never really even thought about looking into it. I always assumed it was like uh, Niger, like Nigeria, that the right. guy was from Africa. Right. And that's but, just the way they described it. <clears throat> so so through that, then um, we, we got the other people involved from the Kingdom Celebration panel, uh, which included Marty. And then we uh, gave everybody a couple of weeks to do some research. And then we convened back and had a meeting. And um, and then Marty can, since I've already talked about it all, we'll let Marty from his perspective say kind of what happened once we kind of once we got together with with the group and it was Noel Filipino, Ricardo Hispanic, Marty myself, and um, Ron Thomas, an African American pastor here. And so uh, so I'll turn it over to Marty and he can tell you what happened at, at the conversation. Well, first and foremost, I'd just like to say thank you for including me today. Uh, I have listened to the main point uh, several uh, times and enjoy what you guys are doing here. I think it's important that we um, kind of process our sermons. You know, a lot of times we, we hear it and we walk out the door and we kind of uh, say, okay, that was a good sermon, Pastor, and we forget about it. Um, but I think the message uh, was a very good message yesterday, a very powerful message um, unfortunately, I don't think many churches participated uh, in that racial reconciliation Sunday. Uh, but I do, you know, want to give props for you guys doing that. But back to the, as far as how this all happened, uh, Jeff contacted me, and and there are other guys that are a part of the leadership team of of Kingdom Celebration. Uh, we have some very open and honest and transparent conversations. Um, yeah. Some things are said in that room sometimes that probably wouldn't be said other places. Uh, but we've we've given each other freedom to speak freely. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's kind of that that uh, environment that we want to say, you know, feel free to say what you feel, and 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 because a lot of times we don't, you know, a lot of times people we just say things on the superficial basis, and we don't really get deeper. And so, yeah, uh, that group has over the years um, earned trust and gained trust that we can speak open and honestly. So we allowed really Ron uh, Thomas to take kind of the lead as we went back through there. But I, I want to also give props to, to Ricardo for asking the question. Yeah. Um, and actually kind of Jeff, speaking on what you just said, in the Spanish, it does actually translate um, N-I-G-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's, I mean, that's the, the main translation that is there. I was going to ask a follow-up question on yeah. that because I, wonder, I wondered if this is what caused Ricardo to... to uh, ask his question so I don't know enough about the Spanish language as you do to know whether or not the term that uh, that we want to avoid 
sort of, you know, the N word, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if there's a translation for that or a in Spanish, is there a word that they use um, that's that's used in that way? And if so, is it the same word that's being used here in a Spanish? In, 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 is the Spanish translation the same word that's being Spanish, Spanish translated here? Well, you know, it's really kind of interesting. Um, there were uh, about 10 times as many slaves taken to South America as they were to North America. Mm. And, you know, you think about Brazilians or you think about Colombians and a lot of other countries in South America, there is a, a lot of African influence. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of intermarriage that's happened over the years. You do not see um, the racial discrepancy as much, I don't think, in South America as you see here in the United States. Mm. Uh, it varies from place to place. Uh, now, I say that on one side, and then on the other side, where we lived in Santa Cruz, Bolivia, there was a kind of under the superficial, again, under that uh, level, there was a, a view that a lot of people wanted their children to marry someone who had lighter skin. Mm because there was some prestige that was right. found there. And, I, and I'm saying that as someone who has a daughter-in-law from Bolivia who her parents told her, you know, it is better to, to marry somebody. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so there was, there's not the same racism. There's not the, there's not the, the N word does not exist, I won't say in Spanish. Oh, okay. Uh, they, we say negro, which is black for the color, but also a person, mm -hmm. but they would even, that would be like a nickname, you know, right. or, you know, and, 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 but the same way that, that they say gringo, gringo to a, to an American or to a light skinned person, gringo could also be a Bolivian who's never spoke English in his life, but is light skinned. Right. And negro. Uh, in fact, we knew a family <laughs> that their two sons, one was very dark and one was very light. And that were their, that was their nicknames, negro and gringo. And so, so, <laughs> so it doesn't come packaged. With all and and even in stuff, Spanish, right? I mean, they say, you know, they say fatty to somebody, you know, they mm -hmm. say, Oh, you're, you're looking very fat, but they don't, it's, it's not, it's not really a, you know, a put down. Uh, Gordo, you know, we, we right, talk yeah, about, yeah. And, and a lot of people know Gorditos because of Taco Bell, right? But, uh, <laughs> you know, to say Gordito is not a put down. No. Uh, not the same way in Spanish. And so I was kind of like you, Jonathan, when I saw this and when, when the question came up, it, it kind of blew me away because I, I had read it probably, you know, hundreds of times and never really thought about it. Sure. In English or Spanish. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, that's why I wondered if when, I, I'm, thanks for answering that because I, I wondered if 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 it existed in Spanish. Yeah. And in particular, why uh, why it was Ricardo and not like Ron or. Uh, well, I think because of Ricardo, because of the uh, when we did the uh, white flight. Mm -hmm. Remember the whole white flight when we talked about it, and then we mm -hmm. did a whole panel discussion on it. I think that because Ricardo's from Puerto Rico and he lives in America and he's very active politically, and so. That was the first time he ever heard about that, and so he's he was doing his own research about racism and uh, the church and how mm -hmm. people were treated and things like that. So I think it just came from his own spirit that you know he wants to be partnered with us, and and if, if this is is this another thing that 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 the church used against people by using the Bible in a way that it should that it was misused, right. and if so, then. Yeah. He, he, it was like you were just saying it would be crushing if you felt like that I would be crushed oh yeah I would be like well I have to I can't be a Christian anymore if that's true yeah uh, because you know it, that takes away John 3 16 so that's, that's right. kind of where it came from his spirit his heart after what was going on out there and just 
just hearing everything that that, that he was uh, getting from all the different people he's connected with, right? And I just think, finding out himself. I think also he was. This was at the height of, yes, of all the right, things the going book. on, but he was doing a study in the Book of Acts. Yes, and yeah. so it just he yes. just naturally came to that verse and went, and it jumped off the page. Yes, yeah. that chapter. Right. Yeah, he was going through and the Book of Acts. Jeremiah, I know from our conversations with each other um, that you're studying Southern Baptist history and stuff right now, and and it. Let's just be real. Let's be real honest about it. One of the reasons why we need to address this is because for years. Um, the SBC and other, you know, in, in its history, um, used the Bible to justify, um, fall, incorrectly, but justify um, racist attitudes. And, 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 and some of that, well, I'll just ask you, I mean, do you think some of that is still existing in, in the convention? Like, do you think that there's still some of that that we're fighting against right now? Yeah, I mean, I know it exists. Uh, I see it weekly if not daily I know there's still I don't, I don't want to I don't know I want to put a number on how many I think that that exists but I know there's still like a divide mm-hmm. among the SBC I mean we're called the SBC and we'll just be real that's because of a divide uh, on, on what people believed about who can own slaves and whether missionaries could own slaves uh, and the SBC obviously sided with the the south um, so yeah, and I know we already talked about the Spanish and the English. Uh, I, I did what I always do. I went straight to the Greek to see like how it was, uh, and it's transliterated the same way, N-I-G-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to talk about the SBC, I, I'm speaking in generalities on purpose. I don't want to talk about really specifics, I think, for here, but if you're asking me if I think it still exists, it's not really a thing for me. I know it exists. Yeah. Um, and, and if it does... <clears throat> and and I think you're right. I think it exists as well. Then then this is exactly the kind of conversation we need to have. But what I find encouraging um, and not discouraging, and this is really where the meat of your message was, Jeff, is that when you really look at this word, not only does it not mean the derogatory in, in that derogatory sense at all, but actually it points to a group of people who were. Um, so mission-minded that um, that it brought forth the explosion of the church. The fact that that guy is in there. And he's a leader. And he is a leader, exactly. This isn't Simon uh, Niger, the slave. This is a leader. This is one of the guys that was laying his hands on um, and in, in, in an anointing kind of way to, uh, to ordain... Uh, Paul and Barnabas to go on the mission Their very first missionary journey. And and yes. so so your the title of your message yesterday was what the diverse church in Antioch can teach us today. And man, there's a lot of lessons in this, man. A lot of lessons that we as <clears throat> as the church, not just here at Rosa Sharon, but just Christ, the Christian church in general can learn. And uh um and, and, and I think it begins it, it it's interesting because instead of <laughs> Instead of, uh, instead of this being what the diverse church in Antioch can teach us today about what not to do, it's, to, it's actually what to do. Um, I, um, I, I really like a quote from, and we can talk about this a little bit, because um, Marty, I know from conversations I've had with you, um, 
that this is absolutely how you feel. I think this is how all of us feel. But one of the things that you that you pointed out yesterday was how groundbreaking what happened at Antioch really was. Because and talk about this a little bit, but the the way I understand it is they were base they were Antioch was was it Antioch where they had erected these fences basically, right? That there were yes. there were different quarters of Antioch. Okay, you um, you Syrians go over here, and you Gentiles over here, you Jews go over here, right? So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, in my research, you know, just learning about Antioch, probably, you know, when I did sermons before, it was just Antioch's this port city and had a lot of people. And so because of this angle, it made me look look to stuff that maybe I overlooked before. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that, it was like that, you know, I think the quote you're talking about was... Uh, from uh, Gospel Coalition about the about it was uh, about a half a million people lived there mm-hmm. and they were di- different mi- mixtures and cultures but there was a divided city when the wall when when the city was actually built uh, and they relocated people because that's how empires built and expanded mm-hmm. then you had Assyrians Syrians which we know about them because of our minor prophet study right and the Greeks mm-hmm so they come together, and so they're like, we got to do something to keep them from fighting each other all the time. So they built a wall right down the middle. They they built the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. Your side of the tracks, our side of the tracks. And they, they basically coexisted. And, uh, and then when the Jews got got sent in the, into there, then they created an area for them to stay. But um, so, so, you had, so you had people segregated out, and they pretty much probably business and trade they worked together but then once they got done they went to their own different sections and so it was in that kind of a culture that that this group came into and the quote i got from the gospel coalition said that there were at least 18 different ethnic groups within the city boundaries at the time that that luke was actually writing this that when paul and barnabas and these other people show up from the persecution so they're just thrust into this city Mm -hmm. And um, and they go to the Jew first, and then the ones that were Hellenistic that could speak Greek through wherever they were hiding out and wherever that whatever they were doing, maybe working and stuff to try to make a living because of the persecution. They then began speaking to their neighbors and friends about the gospel, and they responded in numbers. Yeah, and so that was the cool thing about it. So what I what I think is great about that is. Um, and this this really puts into context when Paul says in Christ there is no Jew, Greek, barbarians. You know, they're, they're, they're all those categories where they're trying to categorize you out. No, you're Christians. You're you you are believers in Christ, and that is what unites you, not your uh, skin color or yes. your or your racial affiliations. And so this group, this mixed bag goes out into a mixed city mm-hmm. and impacts it in an amazing way. And Marty, the quote that I, I really resonated from, from Jeff's message for me yesterday was the one, and I don't know where this comes from, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote it here. It's a missional church as demonstrated by the Church of Antioch does not erect racial barriers, it breaks them. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, I, I think that is what should categorize us as missional Christians as just as Christians right mm-hmm. that we're not about erecting or setting up racial barriers but rather we're about breaking those barriers down 
Yeah, and I, I think Jeff used the term paradigm shift, which, you know, we, yeah. uh, I think, I mean, this is so different than what had happened in the past. It's also so different from what our reality is in the world even today, mm-hmm. is the fact that their viewpoint was, it, it, they were looking through the lens of the cross. <laughs> yeah. They were looking through the, the lens of, of Christ's teachings, and, and they were putting that into practice. And I, if I'm really honest, I believe that this was the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. This was not something that, that any man yeah. or any group of men or any group of any religious group would come up to do on their self. This is something that only the Holy Spirit could do through them and in them uh, as really beginning to, to represent uh, Christ. And, and, and I'm, I look at this, and Jeff you know, made mention that these are the guys that laid hands on these first missionaries as they're sending them out. I was actually reading some more. There's other people who say, you know, we talk about Simeon, mm-hmm. um, and and you know he is the, the black man as it's translated, um, but probably several of these guys were men of color because they're from the Mediterranean. Yeah, and they're they're you know we 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 tend to think in in black and white, but there's probably a lot of other hues in the middle. Uh, and, and so if we were to see this group, we're like, oh, okay. Um, I don't I don't think. They look like a lot of our councils today, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, what's funny about that, I'll, I'll, I'll pull this yeah. in because I think it's... Uh, Jeff had told us yesterday after the message, you mentioned that you'd found an image that you nearly showed yesterday mm-hmm. uh, of them sending off the missionaries mm-hmm. from Antioch. But what was, what, was, what was sort of eye-opening about it was just the opposite of what you said. Yeah. This image... Yeah. It was like a Sunday school image, and all the, all the people laying hands were white, right? Yeah, it was. There were actually two images. One was from a person that does children's curriculum for Sunday school, and you know it was it was basically two people laying hands on Paul and Barnabas, but they all looked the same, and there was no like you couldn't distinguish that one was a black man, one was from North Africa, right? And you know, and so, and then. Uh, so I'm like, okay. So then I look at artwork for an image, just kind of like, just out of curiosity. The only image I could find, there was a fresco that was done uh, in a church in Europe somewhere of, of the them being sent out. And it was the same thing. It was, it was white guys laying their hands on white guys mm-hmm. to go out and... You know, to reach the world. Yeah, and and the cool thing about it, I think I've even mentioned in the message that they haven't even gone to Europe yet. Yeah. So everybody here is not white. No. The closest you could get to white would maybe maybe Paul being a Jewish person and and Mananum being uh, Manaman being a Jewish guy. Yeah. But the rest of them were Mediterranean and even their Middle East. So it's not like what we think of. They like would be very tan they anyway. They, yeah, they weren't <laughs> Swedish people. No. <laughs> Blonde hair and blue eyed. I mean, right. and, and our culture and our yeah. way of thinking for so long was that, and one of the reasons, and I didn't bring it up, was one of the, one of the big things that, was, that has been hurting my spirit right now is there's a huge move out there saying that Christianity is a white man's religion. Oh, man. And that's what we've got to fight in this culture right now. Right. Because it's not true. And, and we got to keep pointing things out that that's not true. Well, I think part of the reason why, and, and this goes to those those images, right? Yeah. Because what, what we tend to do is we're like, well, I want, I want my church to look like me, mm-hmm. right? I want my church to look like I look mm-hmm. and reflect what I... So what I'm going to do is I'm going to project on this on the Bible that 
myself and the image of myself. And so what you end up with is you end up with these whitewashed images mm-hmm. of, of what was going on at Acts. And as a result, because you whitewash everything, you end up alienating everybody who isn't you. Mm-hmm. And that's not what, and in fact, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. One of the, one of the things that, that um, Jeff brought up yesterday, Jeremiah, that I think is so important here is the, in his second point, which is, and I've heard you champion this a lot, which is that the church in Antioch had leaders who looked like the population they were serving. How important do you think that is? Yeah, I think if a church is being honest and they're saying they're reaching their community, then their church and their community should look like the the community. Um, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I, it's convicting for us because I'll just be honest. I don't think our church looks like our community. We try. We're doing things like this. Uh, but like I live a mile from here, which I would say is this church's community. Mm-hmm. And I am the vast minority in my apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I might be the only white family in my apartment complex. I can't think of any. So, yeah, I, I, I just think that, that, that each individual church, or at least the churches of this community, should look like... Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to say it like that. I don't think we're living in sin. I don't think we're doing anything wrong. We're trying our best. But if if you want to look like your community, I think your your leadership should reflect that. Um, but also just individual members who eventually become leaders, because people don't really start as leaders; they come become members and then organically become leaders in the church. So, is there is there anything wrong then with the mindset that some people have of, well, you know, yeah, we need to look like our community, but like wants to gather with like, and so. Um, so you, you, it's not that, um, like, is there, I think there's a difference perhaps in saying you're not welcome here and saying, um, this is, this is our culture. This is what we're like. Is there, is there a danger in that you think? Yeah, I think we're going to disagree here among all four of us. Probably I'm going to be the most extreme and say that if, if like likes like, then like is what has become unifying. Mm. Meaning that it's preferences that we're unified on and not Christ. Okay. And some of you may disagree with that, but I, I think that, and it's going to be hard like for, for us to transition to, to having music like our community and lit, liturgical things like our community or lack thereof or art like our community and buildings like our community i mean right because if okay for instance if, if rosa sharon started just going okay well we want to attract people from our community and so let's change all of our music let's change our art to look like something from a different culture yeah. what, it, is that is that enough i mean does that does that fix the problem no it, it wouldn't fix the problem it's just you've got to not rely so much on preference there's going to be preference but if preference becomes the, the chief or the primary thing that you're focused on, then preferences become an idol. Well, it, 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 it does even within, even within the same culture. I mean, ageism happens mm-hmm. there too, right? We, 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 we divide on that as well. Um, 
Okay, so I, I get where you're coming from, Marty. What do you think on this? I, I don't. I don't know that we're all that uh, really disagreeing. I think, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and and you mentioned Jeremiah that, that maybe we're not sinning, and, and maybe we are. <laughs> mm. um, I, I think there has to be an intentionality mm. to to see things differently, um, and that has to be taught. Um, you know, before we left to go as missionaries, we went through an intense missionary training. Uh, but was that enough? No. Um, it's a, it's an ongoing. And I think that is where, as a Christian, we would say we need the power of the gospel in our life. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the power of the Holy Spirit. We need both of those. You know, we, we need the gospel pouring into our life and, and showing me where I am still not there yet, you know. Um, and so I think... I think about where we lived for almost 20 years in South America, in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. There, even though even though there was not the the black white divide, there was the highlanders and the lowlanders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was there was the mountain people who they had a derogatory term, which actually was a term that meant king. Mm. <laughs> it was a positive term. They turned it into a negative term, talking about those people. And the mountain people had derogatory terms towards the the flatlanders, the lowlanders. Um, and so it, it happens everywhere. And, and as sure. we've traveled around the world, I, you see that in, in Asian cultures. You see that in African cultures. It, it doesn't matter necessarily just the color of your skin. We find ways to divide, and I believe that's the work of the enemy. Oh, yeah. But yet the Holy Spirit can bring us together and, and, and direct us in that way. So I, I agree with, with Jeremiah. I think one of the things we learned was we need to have indigenous worship and I know even some people would even say that's not a great word but but the worship the everything needs to be contextualized to to the city to the place that you're at Jeff made a really great point in that you know this was a city of a half a million people Durham is like that I mean and if you look at the triangle we have people from all over the world yeah and that to me is one of the most positive things about the church at Antioch was if you read those names most of those folks are from somewhere else. <laughs> right. They're, they're not local yokels. They're, they're from all over the world. So you're a mission strategist, and so I'll ask you this question, because I think what you're saying is absolutely correct. The problem is, is that we've gone down, I think the problem is we've gone down this path for so long. Mm. How do you correct the, the thing without, without it looking disingenuous? Um, for instance, <laughs> I, think it's just, I think it was a Christian comedian I heard say this the other day. Um, that if you have like an all-white church and all of a sudden you have an African-American family come and visit, oh, we'll have you up reading announcements like next Sunday, yeah. right? Because, because we, we're so desperate to try and look like we're inclusive that we're just going to go ahead and try and pull you in and put... And, 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 and that seems, on the face of that's disingenuous. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. Nevertheless, how do we do it? Because if you've got an all-white church, um, then someone from a different culture, um, and it doesn't have to be African-American, Hispanic, Filipino, whatever, who has nothing in common with that culture at all other than Christ, right? They come in and they're, they're not going to feel like this is their culture. How, how because I think what you have to begin to do is you have to assimilate more but the way to assimilate more is to have more people like them kind of come in. I just don't know how you do it. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure how you do it. I think it's a process. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff mentioned Antioch and, and the 
strategic location that it was. You know, it was a land bridge. There are people who are coming there by boat. There are people there. People from all the world are coming there naturally. That has not been the case for necessarily that many years in the Durham area, mm-hmm. but in the last several decades, it's rapidly changed. You know, right. And so, so not only do you have you know African Americans, do you have Caucasians? You have people from all the, over the world that oh, are yeah. coming here. So it didn't happen overnight. So it is a process, but there has to be a sense, and I use the word intentionality. You have to be intentional to to go into those apartment complexes and begin to build friendships. Um, the person who comes to the church, there needs to be constant dialogue. And and is it easy? No. Is it worth it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like that's where the Church of Antioch can be an example to us. Um, I, I'd love to know more of their history, how these, how these five guys who were mentioned, five guys, burgers and fries, no, no, uh, <laughs> a little, little spot there. These five guys that are, that are mentioned there we're not in, brought to you by that. In, that's right. In, in Acts <laughs> thirteen, you know, what did they? How did they? How did this come together? You know, was this was this something that happened overnight? Probably not. But maybe some of the guys did, and maybe they just had an atmosphere of well, the church where they were accepting. Well, let's be real. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why I came together is because you have a group of people. You have a group of people who are being persecuted, yes. and persecution tends to pressurize situations yeah. to where people are suddenly more open to, I mean, you got Jews who are fleeing, who are hiding in hidey holes and stuff, sure. where they're probably, right. you know, they're, 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 they're probably ducking and diving into Syrian communities, and while they're there, now they're talking to those guys, they're, they're, they're talking to the Greeks, they're, so I actually, I think the, the comfort level that we have mm-hmm. here in America, Jeff, probably keeps us largely from doing any of this. Um, yeah, you know it's 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 part of it. Part and, and isn't comfort really a part of this as well? I mean, mm. it, it it becomes Jeremiah used the word preference, but it's also a it's a comfort thing. I I tend in my friend groups, I yeah. tend to want to hang out with people who do the sort of things that I do, who look like you know not necessarily look like me, but who are more like you know I can relate to and. We just sort of do that. Yeah. Uh, naturally, we do that. What what the Bible is asking us to do sort of runs contrary to what we naturally want to do. Well, and and I think that brought it back to that third point there that they really focused on making disciples of all nations, which is right. what Jesus told the disciples to do, which they wanted in their comfort zone to stay in Jerusalem. Well, they stayed there for a while. First Baptist Church in Jerusalem, you know. Yeah. Eating their fried chicken, having a good time. <laughs> you know, they they were cool with it. Persecution <laughs> we, comes. We golf out yeah. something. Persecution you know? <laughs> comes, and it was intentionally Hellenistic people. Yeah, they get scattered back, as well as you know Hebrew speaking Jews as well. They go, and what does Barnabas do when they send Barnabas? Like, hey, you need to go check it out. Barnabas decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get the guy that started it all, the persecutor, Saul, and he's still called Saul there, mm-hmm. and brings him into the mix. Mm-hmm. Now, talking about getting out of your comfort zone, right? because people, the people in the Jerusalem church was a, was afraid of Paul. They were afraid of Saul. They thought that, you know, they had like, oh, he may be trying to, this is a trick. And he brought him in, and they teach for a whole year before they get sent on their missionary journey. Right. So then... The harshest criticisms that comes from Antioch comes from Paul against Peter because Peter's in a comfort zone. 
He's the leader of the church. Yep. The the main spokesperson. He goes. He's hanging out. He's enjoying himself with the Gentiles. And then all of a sudden, some of the other leaders come and their friends come and they and he goes, "Ooh, I, I can't I can't go play play games with you guys on Friday night. I've got to hang out with these guys over here. So I'll call you. Don't call me." Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. Because that, that was the barrier that had to be broken down because that's what the whole Galatians thing were about. You quoted earlier. That was the last separation to say, no, 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 no. These people are fully believers, and it's the gospel, the gospel. You can't compromise the gospel. And that's exactly why he was so mad at Peter. It's because what Peter was doing he was, adding, was, to was the adding to the gospel, and he wanted to be clear that no. The gospel does not require anything else. So you're, and, and the moment you start acting like that, then you're putting stuff on these people that is not part of the gospel. And so, yeah, I'm, 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 in, I'm in full agreement. And I tell you, it's, it's, I think it's difficult to, I mean, what we're talking about doing here is, is really hard. We've tried, you know, you all, at the top of this podcast, you all talked about kingdom celebration. And even with kingdom celebration, which has been wonderful, where we, those of you don't maybe you're listening and don't know what I'm talking about, it's where we decided to come together. You have the Filipino church and the Hispanic church and the African American church and the white church, and it's weird that I even have to call them that, but that's what they are. I mean, yeah. they, you know, that these different groups of believers come together for a large worship time together, where we're all going to gather together in one place and worship together as the people of God. Um, and that has been incredible, but we've not had full buy-in on that. Well, and that goes back to that intentionality. And when we first started, we all sat there and we said, this is going to be the hardest thing in the world we've ever tried to do. Mm-hmm. Try to get different cultures that are here now. We're the Antioch. Let's say we're at Antioch now. This, don't call us Jeff Durham. Let's call us Antioch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do we then burst through all these barriers which is language culture race economics all these things i mean manium was was an aristocrat basically right he, he and paul would be paul would be the republican he would be the democrat mm-hmm. you know but they're in the same leadership team so how do you how do you then how do you get the people around the table right and then where there's no hidden agendas there's no questioning and all this other stuff and then and then then make the gospel the center, which is the key. If you add anything else to it, if you add anything to it, social justice or anything, if you add one other thing to the gospel, then it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You have to stay so gospel focused in order for people to come around the table and say, now, how do we reach each other, partner with each other? Do I have a building you can use? Um, you know, can we do some combined services? Can we... And that was the whole goal of Kingdom Celebration, that eventually it would be churches would catch the the, the, the churches would catch the vision, and then individual churches can say, hey, we're going to have Filipino Sunday at our church because if they have Filipinos in their area. Right. Or we're going to partner with an African-American church, and we're going to do a combined service. So there's nothing wrong with being the, quote, quote, community that looks like me as long as you're trying to partner and expand and grow so that you can reach the whole community. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But ultimately, you know, we, we, we want to be open to anybody and everybody so yeah. they can hear the gospel. Absolutely. And so if we create barriers for the gospel, then we're in trouble. And, and, and it's hard enough, you know, Marty, we talked about this before we even started recording today. Um, and it's hard enough to do that inside the church. But now outside of the church, when the word evangelical is becoming a bad word, now we're not only having to <laughs> fight these, these cultural kind of things, but now there's a stigma that's being placed on Christianity that, um, that makes it even more difficult to reach these people who are outside of the four walls. Yeah, and, and, and obviously that doesn't come as a surprise to, to God. I mean, he, you know, the Word tells us that we're blessed when we're persecuted. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the further that you look in the apocalyptic writings and, and the end of times, you know, it's all pointing to the church being persecuted, that, that uh, we are seen as, as a lot of other things. But the only way that, that people will understand the gospel is if we live it out in an authentic way. Mm-hmm. And, and I love what, what Jeff was just saying, the fact that the gospel has to be central. Um, and it's one thing to talk about the gospel. It's one thing to live it out. Um, and it has to, it has to be spoken. <laughs> there has to be proclamation. I don't want to say that. Right. But I think you're, you're talking about this world that we live in. You know, I'm thinking about the sermon from yesterday. I think one of the points was that, you know, these people went to Antioch and, and they're sharing with people who aren't like them. But if you look back, I think in chapter 11, it actually says that there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were coming to Antioch. They spoke to the Hellenist, also preaching the Lord Jesus. So some of them, yes. it's not all of them. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we, I don't want to put Antioch to be the perfect church. Yes. Right. Because Antioch was also filled with people who probably had doubts. They were probably people who didn't like what was going on. Sure, they and, were. And so, they kept there with, they and so, there with their arms well, crossed. They didn't because actually it was a group from Antioch that came and had Paul stoned later on on the yeah, missionary that's journey. True. It was that's the Antioch true. people that came and persecuted. So, so you know, we you know, and we were laughing before. We were talking about, you know, people say we want to be a New Testament church. So, like, be careful because there are a lot of weird things that happen in New Testament right, churches. Right, right. But, you know, to your question, I think we have to be intentional we have to be salt and light we we have to go out of our out of our maybe our normal way to do things but i believe it, it starts with building friendships with yeah. with getting to know each other and that's one of the things about at least the kingdom celebration team was we knew we had to be intentional we first sat around just like this group here today a bunch of white faces mm-hmm. and and we have to be intentional to try to find people who are not like us who don't look like us maybe who speak a different language sure. from a different culture but to start understanding each other and see how the gospel permeates that and is it easy no it's it's a big task but but i think this this message helps us to see that some <laughs> will take it and 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 move forward with it yeah, I heard a guy one time uh, um, in a Q&A after a lecture of, of uh, this, this guy that was at a convention or something, one of those breakout sessions, and somebody said, well, what's the one thing, if you could say one thing that you think would, that, that we could do that would make the, the church grow or that would, that would spread the kingdom the most, what would that be? And he sat and thought for a second, and his answer was, I thought, rather profound. He said, Learn how to make friends. Mm. He said, learn how to make friends, real friends. And he said, that's what would really make a difference. And I think that's true. And, and, and when we say learn how to make friends, it was learn how to make friends with 
kinds of people, right? People who are different from me, people who have different political leanings than I do, people who are from different bracket, you know, um, uh, you know, financial brackets from myself, right. and, and those kinds of things. One of the things you find, um, Jeremiah and I both are part of uh, our, our our side hobby. Uh, to our job has become um, we've really gotten into the board game community tabletop and board gaming and one of the things that you find in some of these other communities hobbies hobby communities and 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 things is that there's so much less barriers erected mm. in those communities mm-hmm. than there are in the church and that says something to me you know what I'm saying man I mean like you, I mean you see it you it, there, there are people People of all stripes are welcome to the table to to play board games with one another, mm-hmm. you know, to play with one another. Yeah, if I had to say there was one major difference between the Church of Antioch and the Church of Durham is that in Antioch there's one church. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Christian, you go to one place to worship. Mm-hmm. Here we have options. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying options are bad, <laughs> but those options are typically I choose this option because of preference or I choose this option because they look like me or whatever it is. And well, uh, it, was a, it was a group of house churches. Yeah. So like there is yeah, one they, church in Durham. We just meet in buildings and stuff now, but they had the same thing. They were based on a synagogue model uh, where they came together, but... I don't think the whole church came together in one big conglomerate. No, I mean they could. Thing. They didn't have buildings. Like so that. Right. I probably uh, each one of these guys probably had. But a But when house you say the leader or, of Antioch, you're you're saying that's a leader of the whole the whole conglomerate. Yeah. Like, yeah. So they they have the same leadership. There was and that's, some, some network. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what makes Kingdom Celebration so awesome. Is it's kind of reverberating or trying to go back to that like bringing us all together being the church of Durham rather right. than seeing seeing us as eight different churches or ten different churches yeah and I think that's where the strategy fails us is that we're trying to build our own synagogue model as opposed to hey how do we all work together to build the church model that Durham is one church yeah kind of thing and mm-hmm. a lot of divisions you look throughout history like even the Protestant Reformation all of those divisions were built on the fact that someone someone left or, or started uh, off the path of the gospel and the other group was like, oh, we need to we, need, we gotta be focused on the gospel here. As soon as you start adding to or or veering off from the gospel, a division hits. Right. And we just gotta be better about fo- focusing on the gospel. When we say focus on the gospel, just being Christ centered mm-hmm. or focused on Jesus is probably a better way to say that. Uh, rather than focusing on all these other niche things that, that just aren't as primary or aren't as essential as the gospel. Mm. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a fruitful discussion, at least for me. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed uh, this panel, and uh, I think we've gotten uh, uh, done some good work here, but there's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could talk about it around this table all day. We can put it on a podcast and put it out there for people mm-hmm. to consider, but until we, until we actually put feet on the ground and go out there and actually start trying to make friends and break down, uh, break down barriers instead of erecting racial barriers, then we're going to be having this conversation over and over and over and over again. 
And I long for the day, man, when we can just come together and this is not a topic for discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully that comes before Christ does, but um, until then, we, we strive for it, right? We strive for unity. Well, I want to say thank you again to everybody here. Um, that, and this has got a little bit longer than normal, but not that much. We're like 48 minutes here, so it's not bad. Uh, but thanks to Jeremiah, I didn't introduce all you guys because I got tied up in, in all my my love for Marty. Uh, that, 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 I made that joke at the beginning of the thing about you being a doctor, but I really see you that way. You are a bastion of wisdom and and knowledge for us at at, at, at Yates, and uh, I, I I have that much regard for you, and I really appreciate you, and I very much appreciate you being a part of this panel. Um, so thank you to Marty, thank you to Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, and, and for Jeff. McCarthy here, uh, our senior pastor. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson. This has been Money Mean Point. We'll see. Sermon series starts this week. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Just a quick plug. Our sermon series, Fact Checking the Resurrection, uh, is uh, coming up. And it's going to be a seven-week series as we look at the minimal facts uh, that not just Christian historians, but all historians accept as historical. And um, we look at what is the best explanation for all of those things together and it's absolutely the resurrection. We're going to be talking about all of that uh, in upcoming episodes, so make sure and tune in. Well, thanks again for tuning in this week. Uh, We appreciate you, and uh, if you have any questions or comments about anything that we've uh, discussed, uh, feel free to to contact us here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. We'd be glad to talk with you uh, at any time. All right, well, until next time, uh, we'll we'll see you then. Uh, (laughs) That's a horrible sign-off. All right. (laughs) I'm going to edit that out. (laughs) Uh, All right. (laughs) Till next time. So long.